I'm not saying that some Sundays they're better than others, but some Sundays they're better than others. I don't usually start off my sermon with a confession. Maybe it's more of a disclaimer. If uh, I were to do this right, I would have the disclaimer at the bottom of the slide, and uh, all in tiny, tiny type that you couldn't possibly read. Ready? Uh, The information contained in this message does not necessarily reflect the lifestyle of the Schmidtke household or the preacher delivering the sermon. The following information should be verified with intelligent personal study of the Word of God. The pastor delivering this message does not and cannot guarantee success. However, his God can. Okay, with that, let's begin. I can start with a real confession. I don't like New Year's resolutions. They don't work. National statistics indicate they last about three weeks or less at the most. People forget them, they ignore them, they give up on them, but usually they just forget about them. And this is not an accident. Behavioral psychologists call it intentional subconscious forgetting. You do it on purpose, but you're not aware of it. It isn't that you decide to ignore your resolution. It's just that you, for some reason, don't bring it to mind anymore. Now, notice I didn't say you can't remember. I said you don't remember. And also, I think we need to really think about the fact that absolutely everything we think, see, feel, or say happens for a reason. This church is here for a reason. The streets outside are there for a reason. Every single house, every single business is there for a reason. All the utilities are here for a reason. Everything happens for a reason. And you better understand the reason it's there if you want to understand its reality, its actual function, its purpose. And you have to look at yourself in exactly the same way. Why am I the way I am? Why do I look the way I look? Why do I think the way I think? Why do I do the things I do? Because it's all that way for a reason. And simply making a goal is not going to deal with the reason that you are the way you are. And I am the way I am. And so therefore, I don't like New Year's resolutions. They set you up for failure. And if you insist on making them, at least write them down so that when you subconsciously, intentionally forget about them or ignore them, at least they're there staring at you. That might make them last a few more hours. But I do like New Year's plans. A New Year's resolution is a goal. A New Year's plan is a process. And that is a whole lot relevant to what kind of 2018 you're going to have. Your life is a process. It's always been a process. I'll give you an example. I'll say a phrase. You tell me if you agree. This is America, the home of the brave, the land of the free. All you need to do is work hard and do your best. Therefore, you can be whatever you want to be. You can do whatever you want to do. Agree? Hands? Agree with that? Nobody. Oh, that's great. Wait till Donald Trump hears about this. No. (laughs) It's easy to agree with that one, whether you raise your hand or not. You know why? It's all about the future. 
If you work hard, then you can do well, if you work hard. Now I want you to listen to it in the present tense. This is America, the home of the brave, the land of the free. All you need to do is work hard and do your best. Therefore, you are what you've allowed yourself to become. And that is a whole lot harder to accept. When I would give this spiel to uh, businessmen back in my marketing days before I reformed, you can, you can just see it in their eyes. Oh, my goodness, it's my fault. Oh, my goodness, it's the decisions I made. Oh, my goodness, I have to do something. Looking at it that way, can you see that plans are an integral part of life because life itself is a process? And along with everything in it, see, what we have right now is just a snapshot of life. Here we are. We're doing what we're doing. We're wearing what we're wearing. We're thinking what we're thinking. We're being what we are. And we're here because of a process. And we'll be wherever we're going to be after the service because of a plan. Hope this isn't too deep for you because it's life itself. Think about this. We all need and we all make plans. The God we worship is all about and deeply cares about making plans. Open your Bibles, please, to Luke chapter 12, verse 13. Now, this isn't my key text, but it's going to prove my point. Luke 12, and start with verse 13. Jesus replied, man, who appoint... No, no. Someone's in the crowd, you said to him, Jesus, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? And then he gave the parable of the rich fool. Then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest, and he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. And then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? And this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Now, I read this story many times, many times, and I always drew the same conclusion from the last verse. You need to store up treasures in heaven, not on earth. And I know that's true. That's the meaning that the Bible gives to the parable, and I preached on that many times. But, but, and this is a great reason to keep reading your Bible, no matter how well you think you know it. I read it again for the umpteenth time, and I realized the parable has no conclusion, had no ending. The old barns were never torn down. The new barns were never constructed. The huge crop was never harvested. It was all about plans, his plan. And God said, 
If you do that, I'll kill you. Now, what's the obvious response? I'm not going to do that. What did the guy do? I mean, did he really die that night, alone in a barn, holding onto a sack of last year's barley? Or did he run out and share everything with his neighbors and, and just praising God for God's generosity and giving everything to everybody, so glad to have so much that he could share it with someone else? Because if he did that, and if he did pass away that night, I guarantee you God came to him with angels. What do you think? It's important because the conclusion that you expect him, the action that you expect the man to take, tells you a lot about where your heart is right now. God loves a good plan. So much so that he makes them. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Jesus made plans. For instance, the plan of salvation. His sacrifice on the cross wiped away our sins his resurrection that gave us a new life and the power to live it. But think about that. If the goal was salvation for all of mankind, it took planning, timing, implementation for, to give eternal life and make it available to everybody. An awesome plan from which we all still Reap the blessings. What is his plan for you? What's his plan for me? Actually, you may already have a pretty good start on knowing his specific plan for you because usually the desires of your heart are a real good indication. That's what God desires for you or he wouldn't have placed that desire within you. The key is to ensure that your inner desires are good and acceptable to God. Now, every day, each one of us has a lot of choices. And what should we do when the Bible really doesn't have, it doesn't speak directly to the situations that we face. It doesn't directly talk about the challenges that we have. So what do we need to make a good plan for 2018? Okay, number one, pray. John 14, 13, and 14. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. So trust me, you haven't accomplished anything until you've prayed about it. Nothing. Always start there. And something else. A lot of us think we have to use, Oh God, thine power and glory are so majestic, and I, I weep in front of you in my humility, knowing I am an unworthy human, thanking you for the cross and the blood of Christ. I mean, it sounds like Shakespeare wrote it, but how would you like it if somebody talked to you that way? Good morning. You are such a glorious friend to me. I treasure your very being, and everything about you is an inspiration to me, and you would go absolutely out of your mind. Maybe God, I hope God has a sense of humor, because when he listens, I'll t you want a real good 
and humiliating experience, turn your tape recorder on and tape record your prayer. And then when you've got enough guts, listen to what you actually said to the almighty creator of the universe. That has <laughs> focused me incredibly when it comes to prayer. Number one, pray. Number two, use your Bible. What does the Bible say? It may not talk specifically about your golf game or your cooking recipe, but there are biblical principles that you could apply. Proverbs 2, 6, For the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. Love this one, 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Read your Bible and believe what it says. This morning, do you know what my prayer was this morning? We go up at 9 o'clock for the prayer meeting. Do you know what my prayer was? Dear Lord, give me faith to believe what I know. Dear Lord, give me faith to believe what I know. Because sometimes the longest distance we have in the Christian life is the distance from the mind, what we know, to the heart and what we believe. Read your Bible. Three, and this, is, this can be hard, talk with and listen to other people. Ask yourself, who is it that could help me better understand what I'm confronting here, the decision I have to make, the challenge I have to make? Proverbs 18.13, to answer before listening, that is folly and shame. Proverbs 11.14, listen to this one, for lack of guidance, a nation fails, but victory is won through many advisors. Do you know that that verse, Proverbs eleven fourteen, is repeated again and again and again in Proverbs? The same verse, paraphrased slightly, comes back again. Talk to other people. Listen to other people. Talk to somebody who knows what they're talking about and listen to what they say. Talk to somebody who's done it before. Make sure you're not the only one in the world who thinks that your decision is the right one. Not just wishful thinking. And don't let your emotions get the best of you. Oh, here's another one. This is great. Here's my, here's my weak link, folks. This is hard. Take your time. Take your time. Proverbs 19, verse 2. Desire with not, without knowledge is not good. How much more will hasty feet... Miss the way. Proverbs 21.5. The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. If life is a process, and it is, would you please forget about the once-in-a-lifetime opportunity? There's no such thing. Would you please stop looking for instant gratification? You aren't going to get it. Would you please not let the fear of missing out drive your decision? Would you please not listen to the salesman who's giving you a pen and telling, where, telling you where to sign? Here, write this down. When in doubt, leave it out. 
When in doubt, leave it out. Then, this can be even harder. Check your motives. Proverbs 16.2, all of a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Do you have blind spots? What are your motives, really? You ask others for advice, you really listen, follow it if it's good. But how were you raised? What was your family life like? Did you have any accidents that influenced you? Events that still bother you? Were you bullied? Were you left out? Were you rejected? Did you experience failures that still haunt you? Isn't that interesting? It's almost counterintuitive. I'm asking you to consider your past when you're planning the future. Because you've got to watch out <clears throat> for the ways that your mind defaults to. This is how you think about things. This is the way you go. Don't let that happen. Be grounded in Scripture and do it God's way. Proverbs 26, 11. Get ready for this. As a dog returns to its vomit, so fools repeat their folly. Your past is part of you. I'm not asking you to forget it or dismiss it. I'm asking you to learn from it. And maybe then you can actually leave it behind. Paul did that. We'll go into that. Just don't return to it. Then protect your reputation. This is important too. <clears throat> really important, really. Consider the implications of, of your Christian witness if you go ahead and do this plan. This rich fool didn't think at all about what anybody else thought about his religious commitment. He just wanted everything he could get as fast as he could get and as much as he could get of it. Your reputation as a believer, have you thought about that? Proverbs 25, 26. Like a muddied stream or a polluted well are the righteous who give way to the wicked. Proverbs 10, 9. Whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but whoever takes crooked paths will be found out. Proverbs 22, 1. A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. What would it look like if your plan, or mine, and the results of that plan were on the front page of the newspaper tomorrow? Or readily available on the internet for everybody to see? How would you feel if everybody knew everything? Then ask yourself this. What story would God like to write about me? So, okay, now let's, that's good, how to make a plan. Now let's get down to the basics. I want you to think about the manner in which you would do something like this. Remember, your goal is the destination, your plan is, is the steps to get there. Get it? The goal is the target, the plan is the process. Number one, planning that way is spiritual. Remember, God's plans for you are good, profitable, not to harm you, and they aren't for today, they're for eternity. Planning sets the course of your life. So if you choose not to plan, you're going to live by default, and you know what? who's going to make the decisions for you? Everybody else. Everybody else's comments, everybody else's analysis, everybody else's opinion are going, to are going to set you on your course for your life. Do you really, really want that to happen? You better hang out with some real nice people if you prefer that direction. 
planning keeps you focused on your main goals. So having a goal and a plan means that you know where you're going. You're not going to get sidetracked, and you're going to have tremendous power. When Paul says the word of God constrains me, people think that that's a restrictive thing. The, the word of God, oh, if it wasn't so narrow, I could be a little bit more free, but I'm all constrained by this crazy thing I believe in. You know, that's what people think. You know what constraint is? You ever been around a river? I was talking to somebody uh, yesterday that had their house flooded. Ever been around a river that overflowed its banks? It has really no movement at all. All it does is spread mud everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. But a river with strong banks is constrained by the banks. And the more water that's there, the more power there is. And the more constraint you have in your life, the more Christian power you have in your plan. Be focused. Good plan will do that. You know, it's based on faith. Scripture says no man knows the future. But goals and faith go right together. Goals themselves are a statement of faith. You're saying you have faith to believe that God will accomplish a specific thing in a specific way in your life. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance of what we cannot see. You know the guys mentioned in the Faith Hall of Fame in Hebrews 11? They had faith. As a, they had an aim, they had a life goal that they believed in. Set your goals with faith in God and believe that God will make them happen. Then, planning stretches and strengthens your faith. It'll be stretched and challenged. You know what you really need? You really need, and what this church needs, is an impossible goal. Something we absolutely couldn't possibly ever accomplish in our own strength. And set that as our goal. And then see what God can do. Because the bigger the goal, the bigger the risk. A faith-stretching goal will force you to run to God. Listen to what Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 says. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, now and forevermore. And planning builds your character. The greatest benefit of planning and setting and working on goals is not in the achievement. It's in the process. Success is a process. Success is also a journey. A journey that starts with a needy you and ends up with a better you. And Because while, while you're working on your goal, God is working on you. God is more interested in your character than in your accomplishment. You're more interested in who you are and who you become. So now it's time to share some examples. This is risky, but I'm going to do it. Once you have a goal, what type of plans will help you accomplish it? Remember, the goal is the destination. The plan is the process to get you there. Okay. Oh, Dave, I want you to forgive me in advance. Suppose you want to lose weight. Not you, Dave, but suppose you want to lose weight. So you set a specific weight that you want to achieve and keep. If you're brave, you'll set a target date also. What's your plan? Well, here's some ideas. Eat one portion of food and stop. 
If you're doing the cooking, prepare only that much. The odds are that the 82nd Airborne is not going to show up for dinner. You don't need to prepare enough food in case they do. Number two, use smaller plates, not the big ones. It works. You can't eat food that's not there. Three, stop eating after supper, and the key to that is to just stay busy. Do something else. Don't just sit there. Four, no midnight snacks. Nothing good happens after midnight. No midnight snacks. Now try to stop eating between meals. Here again, I'll tell you. Hobbies, write letters, Bible study, prayer, talk to each other. Wow, what a concept, talk to each other. Then, six, cut out sweets. Don't buy them. Don't bake them. What did the woman say? Seconds in the mouth, months on the waist. It's, uh, I keep waiting for our Christmas cookies and candy to run out. Should happen around August. Okay. Chart your weight. Got enough guts to do that? Chart your weight. There are great apps on your phone. Tell you what weight you lost. Make you a nice chart. Tell you what your weight ought to be. Eight. It's good to start with a complete fast on your first day. If you can possibly do that, that will wonderfully concentrate your mind. Talk about focus. That'll do it. Nine. Choose somebody to partner with to keep you both accountable. Ten. I love this one, and I'm going to do this. If you're a guy, forbid yourself from going into the kitchen between meals. And if you've got guts, forbid yourself from opening up the refrigerator or the pantry. Just don't do it. Eleven, if you're tempted to eat between meals, drink water. Twelve, replace snacking with anything else. Again, a hobby, reading, model railroading, creative writing, sending notes and letters, anything. Just do it. Noodle on your computer. Just don't eat. That'll get you on the way. That'll actually... Now, those or any, any one of them that you want to try is a plan that would help you in the process of getting to the weight that you want to be. Not just saying, I want to lose 50 pounds. Or, suppose you want to get your finances under control. Okay, well, here, you know, I didn't say this when I talk about food. I should have said prayer first. Here again, pray. Um, get a Christian book on the subject. There's tremendous Christian books on handling your finances. Make a budget. Money will never be under control if you sit there and wonder where it went. Money will only be under control if you tell it where to go. The only way to tell it where to go is to have a budget. And, this is going to be a revolutionary concept, I know, forgive me Dave, here we go again, budget only the money that you have. Is that too hard? Budget only the money that you have. So, that means explore goodwill, save a lot, outlet stores, Aldi's, hobo. Three, cut out everything you possibly can. You don't need cable TV. Really, you don't. You don't need the fastest download on your internet service. You don't need to shop at your favorite grocery store. You can use coupons. Four, if you still can't make it financially, take a second job or look for another one. I hear there's a retired pastor at Cross Point that would be glad to help you get a new resume at no charge. Five, sell 
whatever you can. If you don't need it, sell it. Six, stop smoking or drinking. Both are incredibly bad for you and both are incredibly expensive. I am amazed at how much money people spend on that, that they could be spending on other much more worthwhile things. Seven, keep strict records of progress for encouragement. Believe me, you'll need encouragement along the way. This is usually a multi-year process. Eight, buy used things, especially cars. Nine, remember to give to church. Ten, cut up your credit cards and go on an exclusive cash basis. Eleven, learn to say no to yourself and others. Twelve, make sure your spouse agrees and that your friends understand what you're doing. And make yourself accountable to somebody. I'm going to do this. This is something I need to do. Now, if you can't do any of these steps on just these two examples, don't. Don't do it if you don't agree with it. Make up your own plan. That's fine. Cross it off. At least you'll have a plan. You can add anything else that would work for you, anything you can come up with. Now, let me finish with this. I want to encourage you because this isn't easy. This is not easy. Everything you are, everything you say, Every place you go, it's for a reason. You ha it's going to take a while for you to change and, and have a process that makes that New Year's resolutions come true. But let me encourage you, of all the world religions, only Christianity so strongly emphasizes the future. Past sins and shortcomings are forgotten by God. That's why Paul could say, forgetting the past, I press on. And as I said at the beginning, here we are, sitting here, hopefully still listening, hopefully still thinking about it, all right here, all right here in the present. What is the present? An instant of time, that millisecond where the future meets the past. Everything I've said this morning, everything you've heard is now in the past. Everything you and I will do with it remains to be seen in the future. So start this new year well. Pray. Set a goal. Commit your plans to the Lord, one day at a time, one step at a time, and let him work in you, through you, and with you, and ask him to bring to reality your heart's desire and have a happy, blessed prosperous, and well-planned new year. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that all of us would be rich. None of us would be fools. I pray that all of us would make plans, good ones, with good motives and good reasons and good outcome, and commit them to the Lord, and have a marvelous, prosperous, meaningful, profitable and happy and spiritual 2018. And I ask this in Jesus' name and for your glory only. Amen.